Hey, what's up? Happy Friday. Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host is Canucks insider Thomas Strands, also covering the team for The Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? 650. 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. And, uh, man, we have a lot to get into today. Uh, let's just do it. Let's go right to the – I'm not even going to say hello to you, Drance. I'm just going to go right to the whiteboard before I even do that. Hi. Or am I? We doing something hit back there, fellas? We going to the whiteboard? <laughs> Should have said hello to me. <laughs> there we go. We got it. All right now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? Uh, it is your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks. For today, March 1st, new month. Uh, start with the headlines. And uh, there was a game last night. Not a pretty one. And I mean that in a lot of different ways. Not a particularly entertaining one early, and then it got ugly late for the Canucks as they drop a rough one. 5-1 to the Kings. They have now lost six out of seven. Your thoughts on the game last night, Drancer? I mean, I didn't think it was as bad as it felt. I thought it was a, the only areas where I thought the Canucks played really poorly. Well, okay. I thought they were... Far too pop gun offensively. They just generated nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, the only like meaningful chance that I feel like they squandered was the Niels Hoaglander uh, bouncing puck at the side of the net. Couldn't quite corral it. That's a hard shot to make. Um, so, you know, I'm, I, they just didn't generate enough chances five on five. But stop me if you've heard that before. You know, I, I mean, to some extent, what I feel about that game is like, I think fans are more concerned coming out of that game. They didn't generate anything. They were blanketed. But, like, I felt like that coming out of 5 nothing Canucks wins this season. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, for me, this isn't, like, a new mode of criticism. This is, like, my biggest concern about this team has been their ability to generate 5-on-5. Five five. We're starting to see that manifested now that they're not shooting 15%. Converting at a historic clip as a team with a variety of you know, long distance goals and uh, pucks bouncing in off, off multiple skates. The, the other thing, I, you know, I, I thought their, obviously their top pair didn't play well, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, Hughes and Hironik having a tough night is exceedingly rare. We haven't seen many games where the other team beats the Canucks at the top end of the lineup. That happened last night. Uh, you know, I'm not concerned because we haven't seen it. Like that's, to me, that's a one-off. Hughes and Hironik are going to dominate play 82 games a year. That's unrealistic. And and it's like that was one of the first slips we've seen from them. So I've sort of categorized that as something I'm not too worried about. Final thing. I think what's fair to sort of come out of that worrying about on an individual game basis is, you know, the following three things. Looked a little slow on the back end. Looked a little light up front. Right. And didn't look playoff ready. I think if you're going to say all of those things, I'm not going to disagree with you too significantly. But I think it's worth noting, like, over the course of this season, this team's improved their five-on-five -five baseline mm -hmm. to such an extent. Like, earlier in the year when they were winning games, I, I remember we had a show, and my comment was, if another team was doing this, I'd be dismissive. 
right? Well, if another team was dropping games like the Canucks have lately, but on underlying form continuing to show significant improvement in controlling play at like a pretty high-end clip five-on-five, what would I say? I'd say I'm not worried about it. Like, the Canucks have not always looked like this this season, but over the last like 30 to 40 games, like a pretty significant sample here, the Canucks have played so well and have leveled up their five-on-five baseline to such an extent that I, I'm sort of looking at this the way I looked at the Kings, you know, falling Skid. flat in January yeah. or the or the Oilers falling flat in October, where it's like their results are so far out of line with their underlying process of five on five that, that I think really this is a matter of tweaking special teams, um, maybe getting some rest and upping your execution. And, and this team's probably going to get out of it. I, I, in fact, given the fact that they're like a bottom five offense, a bottom seven defense, a bottom five on both the pe- uh, power play and the penalty kill over the over the last thirteen games, the fact that they have twelve points in those thirteen games is like kind of miraculous. Uh huh. Like that's a testament to how well they've played five on five, and the fact that you know this could have been a period of some serious bleeding for this team. I think if not for the fact that J T. Miller single handedly is like you know atlas them afloat. Uh, so credit to him, you know, credit to him individually, but also genuinely. If your worst stretch of the season is a point under 500 over 13 games, like that to me is a good sign, even if the results on an individual level, like game by game, are frustrating. Yeah, and I actually thought it was a good point. Uh, our pal Jay Fresh on Twitter this morning pointing out that in remember when there was that that 500 ish stretch in November, so the Canucks went six and seven over a 13 game stretch. So that's yeah. a 40 a 46 point percentage. That's where they are too over the last 13 games now, right? They're five six and two for a thir- uh, 46. Uh, points percentage so slightly under 500 now it's been six of seven so it hasn't been win one lose one but they have had a similar stretch like this and what did they do after that stretch they got hot again and they and they as you said they really leveled up their five on five play and they went on a a really uh, impressive heater for a long time after that so they have been through something roughly similar although this feels worse because it's more clumped up together here yeah i'd also yeah they were dropping consecutive results no that's the thing it was win one lose one and it was another super condensed like hyper condensed portion of the schedule remember that sharks Mm -hmm. game that everyone assumed was easy and it was like ah that might be a, that might be trickier than it seems. My, I will say one of my concerns, and maybe this is what you were getting at with the, um, they're not, they didn't look playoff ready last night. Is, I, I think you could put that in again into the uh, the issue of composure, right? File that under a composure issue because you get the two one goal. You know, L.A., it's not like they were piling it on and tilting the ice, right? So you get the 2-1 goal, you're at home, it's the third period, you feel like you have every chance now to put the, you know, bad 40 minutes behind you and try to get back in that game, and instead it's a penalty, it's a bad read on the power play, it's 3-1, and then, you know, basically all of your best players combine on a really ugly goal that starts with PD losing it behind the net, and then a bunch of other mistakes lead to the 4-1 goal, and then you kind of... It looks like the team kind of quit a little bit on the on the 5-1 goal. And so that concerns me a little bit is when you they gave themselves life, but instead of being able to take hold of the game, push, tie it up, it felt like these composure issues that we've seen crop up a little bit going back to that Winnipeg game. Uh, I think you could now look if this happened in isolation, would I be saying, oh, that was a, a bad composure or an uncomposed effort for the team? Maybe not. But when it fits into this pattern, it just had me worried a little bit watching it last yeah, night. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. There were some body language things I, I didn't love. Um, you know, bad breaks or a goal against and everyone sulks. I hate seeing that. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where I do think you get to dangerous territory, right? 
because aside from the special teams outage on both sides of the puck, like since the All Star break, the club's sub seventy five percent on the PK and sub fifteen percent on the yikes on on the power play. Like you're, it's impossible. It's impossible to tread water with that with those fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Like you need more than that. But what can happen, like as as tough as the stretch has been, aside from the special teams, like they haven't even been unlucky. You know, it's just that they haven't had everything in their favor the way they have for much of the season. You know, in contrast with their like n- still ninety nine PDO, right? Still shooting ten percent. When the Oilers went through their stretch in October, they were converting on five percent of their shots with eight eighty eight goaltending. Like that's not the world that the Canucks are living in. They're shooting double that at, at five on five. Um, likewise with the Kings, they were at like a ninety five PDO. Like mm-hmm. the wind was truly, they were truly running uphill. <laughs> In a way that the Canucks are not at the moment. And it's not assured or anything. There's there's no I don't want to do the gambler's fallacy thing here. Like the Canucks could just get, get back, hot. Get Absolutely. They've seen it. But also, like, this could get worse for a minute. You know, like you could really have to batten down the hatches. You could have ten games where things really go against you. Well, and this is where you need your special teams to step up, right? To offset some of that if it does happen. And that it, that's what's been so jarring about this is despite the relatively solid five on five play, the special teams has really, really let them down. And your mentality. Yeah. Like that's the other thing, right? Like in in the case of both the Oilers and the Kings, things went bad for so long that it required a change. Mm. Like, they literally required a shake-up just to sh- shake themselves out of it. But guess what? A shake-up's not coming here. Right? Rick Tockett's no, no good. No, Yeah. There's no There's no coaching change coming. And Nor should there. Right? Nor should there be a coaching change. But I do think they're, like, I do, despite being, you know, um, completely secular, nerdy stats guy, buy, to some extent, in... Like, the psychological power of momentum. Well, When I, things are going your way, they can keep going your way. And I think that's another difference between the November stretch, right? Because right. at least then it was win-loss, win-loss, so it's never snowballing out of control. You're like, totally. oh, hey, we got back onto it. And so you can look at a 13-game segment, and you have the same points percentage, but it feels worse when it's a bunch of, like, when it's six out of seven and four in a row than when it's win-one, lose-one. You don't have the accumulation of frustration where you're like, man, if we hadn't pulled off a two-goal comeback against the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Like we'd be, we'd be on a seven game losing streak. Right. Yeah. And, and I do think that as, and, and you could see it in moments, like you could see it in the frustration behind the net from Patterson after he lost the puck battle to Kopitar on the four, nothing goal or four, one goal, excuse me. You could see it on the faces of just about every Canucks player after the Kopitar two, one goal or two, nothing goal, excuse me. Um, I'll get one of the goal totals right at some point, uh, but you could see the whole team slumped. And that's where I do think you get into danger, like where it where losing begets losing, where it can mm. become a, a self-fulfilling like doom spiral. And and that's where the Canucks can't go. Like you can't afford that. You, you, you know, you, you're safely at atop the Pacific. But if you list for long enough, uh, the door will open. Oh, yeah. For the the door is open. The door is open. They're still in a very strong position. We'll get to it in the playoff odds. But the door is 100 percent open. Right now, like sub sixty percent open. No, but close okay. to that. But I, like, I wouldn't say that's open. That's like, eh. that's like unlocked. Sure. Okay. 
<laughs> that was a Nonus bit, wasn't it? Remember, it was like you, you first you have to unlock the window before you open it. Oh, nice. Wasn't that a Dave Nonus thing? I, from our, I think it was. It, um, seems, it seems it seems like it wasn't good enough to be a Dave Nonus bit. You would have come up with something better. <laughs> the last um, the last thing I'll say about the game is if you're looking for silver linings, it's not like the Kings looked great either. Like, yeah, they took advantage of, as Tockett would say, some egregious mistakes from the Canucks, but it's not like they were piling it on and generating all of these grade-A scoring chances as well. So, yeah, there's plenty of things that the Canucks need to clean up, but if that's a potential first-round playoff series, it's not as if, like, oh, wow, the Kings are in a different class from the Canucks. So, not I'm not saying it was a good performance, but it, I don't think you leave that game thinking, oh, wow, the Kings are are really scary, necessarily. They looked faster as a team. And they looked bigger. Mm-hmm. Like, they looked... And, and maybe it was just, like, an effort level... You know, Rick talk, talked about winning puck battles. But until... Like, when Juleson threw that hit on Laferriere, I was watching it thinking, oh, my goodness, they needed that so badly. Because I'd felt like they were being pushed around. Mm. Uh, what it comes down to, too, and we talk about this, or I, I was trying to talk about this earlier in the season. Like, when we're talking about pdo binges or good fortune in hockey sometimes it's as simple as the things you try work and the things your opponent tries don't and like one thing that stands out to me is you had all these shifts with like blake lazat just holding possession and being annoying and it wouldn't necessarily result in a scoring chance but he'd like win a couple puck battles and people would be expending energy going after him and i just thought about how many times I've seen moments like that, those Woody Woodpecker, like, ha, 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 moments from Garland and Joshua, for example. Right? Yep. Like, the Canucks have had so many moments where, whether they're doing something super productive or not, it's like, they have the puck, they're in the offensive end, and the other team's annoyed. <laughs> you know? Yep. And the Canucks got none of that last night, and the Kings had oodles of it. That's, that's where the matchup concerns me a little bit. Uh, truly, like... The speed game, the way that the Kings were able to blanket the Canucks five on five, you know, so many people when we've talked about the Kings all year, like frauds, look at their goalie. It's like it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, matter. If that's if you what you're like giving that. up. If that's what you're giving up, then it doesn't matter. That was always who, my theory about Cam yeah. Talbot because they didn't give up anything. And and like again, I think that's a team where you really don't want to trail early against them, right? Because they made it so difficult for the Canucks to generate anything through the neutral zone, any control, right? If the Canucks get the first goal, maybe it's a bit of a different story. But, boy, once they were down, it was like, uh-oh, this is going to be tough. It actually felt like the Canucks got Canucksed. Yeah, 100%. Like, especially with the – now, that – that I, I do want to say Demko was good – was way better last night than five goals against, make it seem. Three – three well, two breakaways, one absolute no doubter where they where they blow the coverage on a power play entry, mm-hmm. a wicked Kopitar shot, just like perfect. Can't do better than that. That's going to happen. Great players are going to make great shots on you here and there. And the long distance Doughty shot, like look at the work of Trevor Moore on that screen, backing up into Juleson. He basically creates a three man layered screen on um, Demko, and then the shot hits the top corner. Uh, Woodley will tell you layered screens where the puck hits top corner are like 40 percenters those are like three point shots uh, if you can hit the top of the net uh, with a screen like that that's a that's as high quality a chance as a lot of the stuff down low that makes you go <gasps> when you're watching mm. it on tv uh okay we'll go to the broadsheet the rumor roundup now we won't uh spend too long here because there's just so much to get into so we might just mention some of it kind of put a pin in it for later on in the show for the next segment but obviously yesterday afternoon 
the massive report from Elliot Friedman that because uh, he had mentioned, hey, the Canucks maybe even had an offer for Elias Pettersson, goes on to say specifically they had an offer from the Carolina Hurricanes. The offer was serious, serious enough that Pedersen and the Canucks had to really think about where they wanted things to go here, and that that was instrumental in jump-starting negotiations, restarting uh, negotiations. And now there's another, you know, there's more interesting kind of speculation from Friedman, like would Rutherford actually go through with a trade to Carolina ahead of the deadline? Uh, you know, Friedman says he hears mixed things on that, but we well, can talk about this more as the I, show goes on. But, I mean, what a fascinating tidbit from Elliot Friedman yesterday. I can tell you chatting to people around the league, I, I think the prevailing sentiment from teams considering a bid was that he wouldn't have traded Peterson. I mean, I don't think I don't think I don't think rival teams bought it. It's one thing to be, you know, Trader Jim and Jim Rutherford and a a gambler and all that. It's another thing to trade Elias Pettersson when your team's in first place or competing for first place at the deadline. I I mean, and look, maybe it would have happened. I'm not saying I, I, I don't know one way or another on that. I just think there was skepticism among NHL teams considering the considering the offers. And, and I think and that's fair. Totally well-founded. <laughs> Why wouldn't there be skepticism? Yeah. <laughs> right? But uh, just a fascinating gambit from the team to kind of bring it back and uh, uh, to Pedersen and use that as a way to get him to the table. Now, look, we'll see where it goes. Um, I want to I save the rest of the Pedersen stuff for the next segment. Really? Can we just get it out of the way? I'm so bored of this. It's fascinating. Are you kidding? Do you- this is the best drama we've had in a long time. This yeah. is incredible. I it's so I find it very frustrating though because there's no substance to it. Like it's like we're discussing vapor. There's no way to really wrap your hand around it. Right no, now, but that's part of the fun is we're trying to figure out what's going on in a fascinating, high stakes, like high a, leverage, as you would say, situation. Crime. It's like the, a true like there's that's an investigation right. in the yes at, at the center is this riddle, and then we'll get to the riddle, and it'll be like the scientists killed her. <laughs> Um, no, but I like I find it incredibly fascinating. And look, we're exactly one week from the trade deadline did, here. Did anyone write, by the way, that the Canucks Country Night promotion turned into Night Country last night against the Kings? Did I anyone write I that? I don't think so. Damn. You missed your chance. <laughs> yeah. You missed your chance. <laughs> the best lead I would have written all, all year. But uh, anyways, look, I, I do think it's really fascinating to kind of game out what exactly is going on here and where it could go. But uh, we'll see if we get into that more later on in the show. The other couple of things I wanted to mention, uh, Satyar Shah, our own Satyar Shah, yesterday on Canucks Central says he's hearing the team is big game hunting on the trade market. Now, I do want to say... Uh, Rick Dollywall on the station today with Halford and Bruff said, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he's hearing it could just be depth, uh, but very interesting. And look, you were just saying, you know, the Kings and the Oilers, good teams that were going through skids early in the season, they needed something to jolt them out of it. I don't know if a big game hunting acquisition, trade acquisition has quite the same effect as a coaching change. But if you're looking for things you can do to jolt your team, a big trade could be one of those options. Well, let me ask you this question, Mr. All-In, because you're Mr. All-In. That's right. I, that, that's fine, right? You don't object to that moniker? I don't care. No, go for it. That sounds great. Are you kidding? It's a wicked name. Mr. All-In, let's go. Mr. All-In. <laughs> Why would I object to that? If you're Mr. All-In, by the way, I'm, I'm claiming the nickname T-Bone. And then we can why? Like, well, then we can like dr- rent a convertible and drive to Vegas. Anyway, <laughs> why? Just I don't know. I'm coming up with a jazz band name. Sure, all right. For you, by the way, I'd hate that. The <laughs> if Pedersen 
is in fact close, right? If there's real traction there and a deal's imminent. And by the way, I'm also hearing so many different things about that. Like there's people who are who think it's imminent. There's people who think it could be a bit yet. The also the <laughs> so Frank Saravelli, their initial report spe- specified eight years. Since then, I think we've heard four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Sat on the broadcast, went to four. I'm going to yeah. go to three just for yeah, fun. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't actually be, know anything. It could be one but... year. Like, we don't know. Who knows? But So it's a moving target. Let's put it that way. This whole thing, man. I'm, this, I, I think I'm just sick of it. The, I'm sick of it because I can't get my hands around it. But the, yeah, sir, sorry. If Pedersen is staying, mm-hmm. and if you're getting term on the deal, Four, five, six, seven, eight. Whatever he's comfortable with. <laughs> Are we even sure this story is evolving? No. Then, then, and you're playing like this. Does that diminish your enthusiasm for an all-in move ahead of the deadline, Mr. All-in? I don't think so, honestly. Now, I think it would push the needle farther to guy we can sign or somebody with team control. Yeah. Because you're going to have Pedersen next year for sure as well. well that has that that they can't pay up big for another. So rental. if that's already your precondition, then I don't think it changes. Okay. It, right? Because if you're getting a guy who you think could really help you next year too, I, I like I'm not i I'm not gonna let seven games scare me away from trying to give this team the best opportunity to win, especially when you have this thing hanging over the team, which part of this reporting has been like, the noise is getting to everyone. The noise is getting to Pedersen. It's getting to the team. It's getting to his teammates. Yeah, but you know what else is noisy? If you can solve that. You know what else is noisy, though? Being in the playoffs. Sure. Sure. Like, like think about it this way. Rutherford and company said, as part of the justification for going aggressively and getting Lindholm early, and we have to have a larger discussion about Lindholm, by the way, mm-hmm. that the team had earned it. Yep. Well, do they not have to keep earning it if you're going to keep pushing chips into the middle of the table? I don't know, because you've already pushed your chips in, right? So do you want to, like, throw Wait. Ah, well, no, they earned it at the time, but now it's over. Sorry, guys. You well, suck now. But I'm not I'm not saying half pregnant. I mean, adding a, a top six centerman is a pretty big ad. Like, it's not like... I, I'm just saying, at some point, I wonder how much pause you should have as a result of a team listing like this in terms of their results. I don't know. The thing is, it's, like... Don't let it don't let the fact that it's happening right before the deadline influence you too much. Yeah. Right? Because if they had had this stretch in November and then they were riding high right now, we wouldn't be having that conversation. You know what I mean? So look, they're going through a skid, and if you see things that are really truly glaring, you're like, uh oh, maybe we did misevaluate this. Maybe we can't win the Stanley Cup this year, then that's one thing. But just the fact that they've lost six out of seven in and of itself, I don't think should change what they're gonna do. I think you should you're still in a position to be aggressive. Uh I, I will say I don't think big game is I mean, obviously if you can get a top six winger upgrade for Pedersen, I, I still weight that pretty heavily. But man, the more I watch this team, I think a big body like I'm I'm not convinced that adding Gensel to this roster helps you more than adding the like Carrier and Greenway, Greenway 50% retained or something, you know, like, yep. I, I, I'm not convinced of that. I, I really am not. I really think, I really think that size component has been missing in, in the absence of Joshua in, in a way, in a way bigger fashion than I expected. And I mean, if you, I look, I would love Gensel. That would be absolutely incredible. Right. He's a genius, man. 
I do think there's something to be said for you go get Greenway, you bring Joshua back, all of a sudden your forward group looks totally different than it has these last yeah. seven games, like completely different. Uh, and then Carrier is a great uh, a great fit as well. Okay, we'll, let's ask Dim this by the way. Dim will have a good take. We'll on get it. we'll get more into uh, some of the rumor roundup stuff and uh, and other things, but we got to whip through the rest of the whiteboard here. We're going long in honor of uh, Dom Shermati's day off here. So you, you want me to watch you, Nene? No, I do not. <laughs> um, all right, lineup notes, nothing really here. Day off today for the Canucks. They go on the road to play Anaheim uh, and a three-game road trip, L.A. and Vegas on that one as well. So we'll see. Maybe we can talk about what are some lineup tweaks that Tockett should consider, but doesn't look like we'll get any roster or lineup news right now. Playoff forecast, despite did, this. Did, did you mention Myers? Oh, yeah, Myers, Myers left, the, left game. the game. Yeah, yeah. so we'll see. Uh, what what goes on with the uh, with the blue line next time the Canucks take the ice? But yeah, good point there. Well, the right the right side too, like that gets dicey fast. Mm-hmm. Right. Sorry, continue. Playoff forecast uh, again. Despite this skid, Canucks still projected for a sixty three percent chance to win the division per Dom Lucision's model. So I would characterize that as the door being open. Right, that's a, a two thirds chance. Very good, but certainly not unfathomable by any stretch. Uh, that a team could catch them, specifically the Oilers. I also say, you know, they're just a point, in terms of the final season projections here, just a point behind Dallas in the Western Conference and still in second place in the Western Conference. So still so much to play for. Yes, it's been a bad skid, but you do have to kind of step back and look. They're still in a really strong position relative to their peers in the Western Conference. I I just want to bring this up. The Canucks consensus Stanley Cup odds. So this is win the Stanley Cup outright. Mm -hmm have dropped a little bit as a result of this losing streak. So they've now fallen behind like Toronto, Winnipeg, Vegas, Carolina, New York, the Stars, the Bruins, the Panthers, the Avalanche, the Oilers. That that puts them like outside the top 10. Fair? Unfair? Good value? 14 to 1? I would say there's some value there. Oh, plus one four, uh, sorry, it's plus um 1400. Yeah, so that's 14 to 1. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think that I think fourteen to one is fair. So you, yeah, maybe I'd go like ten the, to one. Something you, like that. You think the tenth or eleventh longest odds? Yeah, but it's got to be a really narrow gap between yeah, a lot of them. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think having uh, to me, but, I would look at it not really so much narrow, tenth as in a in a tier with, with a bunch of peer teams. A tier with the Leafs, Jets, Golden Knights. Yeah, hundred percent. You think that's reasonable? Yes, Jets. I think the Jets are a great comp for them. Yeah. Okay. In terms of likelihood to go deep i don't know man i think if you're spending assets and you're the 10th best team in hockey that's tough to justify like if you're buying more as the 10th best team in hockey that concerns me that's not a high enough ceiling i just think it's flatter like i think 10th best this year is different than it would be in other years that's what i think i think the 10th best team has a much better chance of winning the stanley cup than they do in a typical year i that i tend to agree but you know Colorado, Florida, and uh, and Edmonton are at least teams that give me pause that's before fair. I really hammer yes on that one. That's fair. Uh, anything you want to hit on the betting odds before we go to break? Oh, here? sorry. That was betting odds. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I thought we were whipping. You did whipping. it. Good job. Yeah, we whipped through it. All right. That is did the we, whiteboard. Would you say we whipped it good? <laughs> I'll let you handle that. Um <laughs> That does it for the whiteboard, your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for today, March 1st. We got an open segment here coming up on the other side, so send your texts in. Maybe we'll talk a little, Petey. I know you want to get into Elias Lindholm and his fit right now. We can talk lineup tweaks, your observations from the game last night, all that coming up here on Canucks Talk. Sportsnet 650.